There was somebody quoted as um, a TED Talk once, didn't they? They said they watched this TED Talk, and it was just basically about those sort of differences. And they said, like, if a man sees a job description and there's ten points on the job description and they can do three, they'll go for it. A woman will want to know that she can do at least eight before she even yeah, before she'd even think of putting herself forward. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things. Welcome to The Light Lounge, the first podcast for lighting designers, creatives, and designers who work with light. My name is Thomas Mnich. I'm a lighting designer in New York City. And in this week's episode, I'm super excited because we talk about a very important topic. I'm talking with Sharon Stammers and Martin Lupton from Light Collective about their latest and greatest initiative. The two are true lighting design activists, and the initiative is called Women in Lighting. Yes, you've heard correct. I could not be more proud and excited to support this amazing project because inclusion, equality and safe and trustworthy environments are super important for all of us that young designers and well, any designer can develop and surface the true potential by stepping up. This week's episode is the first ever open-air recorded light lounge. So we met in a New York City hotel on the rooftop. And if you are not from New York City, here now you are able to hear New York City authentic traffic background noise. Before we talk about the heavy topic about women in lighting, we get a little bit of an introduction where... Uh, who Sharon and Martin actually are, where they are from, where they met, and what else they are actually doing. So, dear exquisite, small lighting design community, please enjoy this week's Light Lounge with the fantastic Sharon and Martin from Light Collective and their initiative, Women in Lighting. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Well, I'm Martin, obviously, as you can tell. I started in lighting ooh, over 20 years ago. I did a PhD in lighting at Liverpool School of Architecture and then started working for a small lighting design practice just outside of London and then from there I moved to a, a building design partnership, the lighting team there, which was a large multidisciplinary architectural practice that had lighting as a specialism and then we moved to Light Collective. So I'm Sharon, um, I started off studying uh, theatre um, and by default ended up doing lighting for productions um, and so when I graduated and moved to London I became a stage electrician um, but not with much knowledge so I used to make a lot of mistakes and I decided that I needed to get qualified so I did a I, I've studied to be an electrician um, and then I realized that uh, all of my kind of fantasies about lighting buildings and hills and I don't know bridges or whatever was an actually was actually a real job um, so I went and studied at the Bartlett and did a master's in um, architectural lighting so that I could make the jump from theater to um, space And it's always really frustrating because Martin's a doctor and I'm just a master. I know, but then Sharon <laughs> likes to say that because she's from theatre and my background was engineering, that she's the creative one. And we both know that's not true. Um, oh, <laughs> complimentary, it's complimentary. A, a PhD in lighting, how, how is it set up? I, of course, had like I had an eye on it, but isn't it 
it's very rare to have a PhD in lighting, right? Um, I, I don't know. I know a few people with PhDs in lighting, but maybe it comes from, from being part of that academic background. Yeah. When I graduated in my first degree, which was building services and environmental engineering, mm -hmm. it was the mid-90s. There was a massive recession in the UK. At the time, I didn't want to go to London. And Liverpool School of Architecture had a research, lighting research team, and I was offered a post there. So I stayed on. I did three years of research into lighting design methods for commercial interiors. Um, at the same time... Sexy. It was. It was incredible. <laughs> at the same time, sort of teaching lighting to architecture students as a teaching assistant, so running daylight labs and stuff. Yeah. And it was during that process that I realized that actual lighting design was a profession and, and it was an amazing area to work in. So yeah. when, I, when you look at environmental engineering and building services, if you do that job really, really well and your building works really, really well, nobody notices you've been there. But it, as a lighting designer, you're actually affecting perception and senses. And if you do it well, people notice it. Maybe it was an ego thing that pushed me into lighting. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. But isn't, isn't, it, isn't it the hardest part that if a lighting designer does a good job, the lighting is never perceived as something... Unless it's, like, I don't, potentially I, colorful? Y y well, I think it depends on the space, doesn't it? If it's a space where you people just need to be comfortable and do something, and the lighting is a component of everything else, and it's all about human comfort then yeah I think that is true right. you don't want to perceive the lighting right. and quite often if you perceive lighting it's because it's glary or there's right. elements like that but then I also think the emotional response to a space so like you walk into an exhibition and it's a stunning exhibition the drama caused by the lighting is a big part of that so you might not notice the lighting right but without the lighting and, and that element of drama, yeah. you wouldn't have the same emotional connection with the space. Of course. But I think it's really hard for us as lighting designers to imagine what other people think because we're so obsessed with lighting and yeah. we look at it all the time. So yeah. whatever space we're in, we're like, oh, it's this, this, this. Yeah, yeah. But you know, everybody else doesn't think like that. So yeah. that's we need to remember that sometimes. Okay, so you have... Um, an office, to, an office together? A practice together? No. No, no. no office. <laughs> we have a practice. We have a practice. When we set up um, nearly 10 years ago now, just over 10 years ago, um, we thought about having an office. Sharon lives in London and I live in Birmingham in the middle of England. And as you've said, we travel a lot. And in our first year, we probably spent 50% of our working time in other countries. And so we realized that actually having an office would be counterproductive. We'd be spending money for a space that we were hardly ever in. Okay. And when we were not traveling, we'd feel obliged to go to the office, which would have to be somewhere between Birmingham and London, or in London. But also, when we started um, Light Collective, we both had small children. We did, yeah. So there was always an element of um, being able to work from home and being able to take kids to school and go to concerts and that kind of thing when we were around. And, I mean, certainly for me, that's facilitated being able to have a family and a, a, a full-time job yeah. in lighting. Yeah. yeah. So, so you have, just from my understanding, so you have not a shared space? No. no. So it's like the real, true, modern, new way of work. Working. Which, yeah, yeah, we've been doing it for 10 years. We, the first, as soon as we started, we set up Dropbox between us. So we've been on the cloud since Ma made me one. change to a Mac. I made Sharon change <laughs> to a Mac. From a little I'm PC. not sure. Congratulations. Uh, I don't know yeah. If this is, 
I think I, Microsoft computers are the new nerd max right now. I, I would actually <laughs> say that as well, yeah. Now, 10 years on, I'm not sure if, if it's a place to be. But anyway, that's a different discussion. Um, yeah, so we've never had an office. We both work from home, home studios, and it, we've, we sort of see like... like, maybe, like physical, maybe physical office, because of course you have a professional practice, but not, yeah. a, not a, physical a physical space. No, we don't have yeah. a physical shared office yeah. space with an address. So, sometimes when we travel and we sort of meet all these different designers and we go into their physical office, right. we do get a little bit jealous. You're sort of like, oh, look, it's really nice. What an amazing going, studio yeah, with a mock-up uh, space. So there, and there are things about it that you miss, and being able to uh, sometimes, sometimes it's a little bit lonely. It is, can be, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so working alone and remotely. Yeah. We do spend a lot of time on, you know, with like not Skype anymore, but we use programs, yeah, programs Skype like now, Skype, the, yeah, talking like that. But yeah, but that makes it probably more appealing to to get back together again and to exchange after some time sort of apart. It's sort of, it's sort of like a lifestyle company in a way because the, the work and, and our home lives and everything like that is, is, is very balanced. So we right. will go away and work on a project in other countries for two weeks, but then come back and then as Sharon said, every day we're actually, we're not going out to the office and coming back. Right. And we're just actually there mm -hmm. around to do sort of family yeah. responsibilities at the same time. Your practice is probably as unique as your way of working. Um, you how you have you work on on multiple different fields in light, right? Would you explain a little bit about what the fields are and what your biggest passion potentially is? I'll try. Um, I think ever since we started, our one of our biggest problems has been sort of being able to describe exactly what we were doing and I'm not asking for a <laughs> no, proper no. we are this or yeah. that no, no. I don't think we can that's why that's um, why I ask for a passion yeah. or something that I, I think we We'd always say that in it, the, the first and foremost, we're lighting designers. Yeah. And we always have some architectural lighting projects on the go. Sometimes they're really big, um, sometimes they're small ones, um, but a variety. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't really know how it's happened, but that lots of other things, lots of other projects relating to light. So obviously everything's about light in yes. some way, yeah. but that's been from, you know, events, guerrilla lighting, designing people's stands or marketing projects. Um, making films. Yeah, making films. Uh, but they all have a creative process that's really similar to doing a filling a lighting design. So right. for us, there's a procedure, creative procedure that we always undertake. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't like definitions. <laughs> I, ask, I only yeah. ask, I only ask for passions, not, yeah, not, not yeah. definitions. And yeah. Yeah, that, 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 I think gives a pretty uh, good. The, the, yeah. the, the most, the things that I'm most proud of are are sort of initiatives where they're about our community and for our yeah. community, and I mean we said the other day that like it's like being light activists in yeah. some way um, and not being afraid to sort of speak up about something or, or trying to make a change but when you do projects that you can contact people in countries all over the world and right. say be part of this uh, that that's an incredible opportunity and an incredible feeling well when we set up the company we called it like collective because we wanted to work with other people and we wanted to sort of collaborate and so many of our projects have turned out to be collective projects where we're we're sort of totally grateful and reliant on the lighting community coming right. together. Their contributions. Contributing it's not our, to it's not us, an is idea it? to right. create something. 
So is is there a focus right now in your practice or maybe a, a balance where you have a certain focus? I think it swings, it changes, doesn't it? So sometimes we've had lots of lighting design work and that's what we've concentrated on. And at the moment we have a very specific project that is taking up a lot of time. Yeah, the Women in Lighting initiative is that's sort of that's been that's been a big focus of the last few months. We're sort of this is yeah. Uh, we're in New York because of right. that, and this is the sort of the last of our interview legs for a while. We're, we're about we're at about 50 interviews, I think. Unbelievable. There's a lot in the edit queue still, <laughs> so yeah. they're not all out there. But yeah. uh, and then we're going to sort of take a break on the interview process for a while. Yeah. We'll come back to that later, and then we've got a couple of design projects that are just waiting in the wings to kick off. So the uh, emphasis will change. Uh, but also, uh, we're, we're, we've always been sort of fa a bit fans of self-commissioning. So if what, you... What do, what do you mean by that? Well, that? if you have like um, a really bizarre idea okay. that you'd like to make happen, um, sort of instead of waiting for a client to come to you and say, hey, I need an idea or I, I want to do this. It's like, we've got an idea. How can we make this work? Right. Who can help who support it? Or who in would be interested? Yeah. 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 So there are a couple of very strange ideas in the pipeline. What, what is a strange idea? Um, things that, that yeah, that's right. He's <laughs> he's gone now. Um, I, things that are quite tangential, I think, to uh, the industry. I can't tell you because you're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, no, it's one of those things. I don't, no, we don't want to say just in case someone else does it. So. Yeah. You seem Wait, to be full of surprises. I, I, my smile for the people who are listening is couldn't be bigger. I'm, I'm very excited here, and it's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, and that's probably a very good segue. That, that's of course also part of the reason why we are talking to drive a little bit more attention. I mean, not that you are that you need it because you have done a fantastic job with the Women in Lighting um, project or initiative, how, however you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, started on I think our, uh, 8th of March this year and and has reached already well 50 interviews but reached thousands of people what is absolutely fantastic um, can we speak a little bit about it what what is your what was the what was the starting point where you thought okay there is a problem is there a problem what is the problem how do we what, so it, that yeah. actually all comes back to New York in a way okay um, and it it We started, it started really, we did, we made a film last year called The Perfect Light and it was basically a quest to find out if LED was the perfect light source because it was replacing everything else. And so we came up with that question and we decided to make a film, a documentary about that and we interviewed 22 different lighting designers in six different countries and we showed that film all over the world we went we'd sort of showed it in London we showed it in Berlin we showed it in Paris we came to New York and we showed it we did a screening in New York and at the end of the screening some lighting designers from New York came up to us and mm -hmm. said we thought that film we really enjoyed the film but why weren't there very many female lighting designers in it and and that sort of took us by surprise didn't it I we very unconsciously had picked mostly men to talk to despite personally knowing m many female designers all over the world and um i it was a bit of a, it was a shock it was a real yeah. shock that that's what we'd done and then we thought we'd have a look at 
sort of some statistics or I'll try and create our own statistics and research figures about conferences, keynote speakers, um, panels for juries, uh, magazine, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, to see what the balance was of men being chosen versus women. Right. And actually... To make sure we weren't alone. In yeah, no, mistake. no, was, was it just us that had done that? Um, and actually, I mean, uh, brilliantly, or not brilliantly, at Lightfair this week, there was a massive poster in the entrance to the conference centre um, of 15 years of keynote speakers. And there are Perfect. about... 30 men and four women well wow. and that's i don't know if i would have noticed that before but we as soon as we saw it we're like oh my god that's a really it, brilliant example of the kind of yeah. thing we're talking about it's sort of unconscious bias and we've we've now we've sort of since we've started talking about it and we've said it to other people and other people yeah i've never noticed that before and and they suddenly are noticing that right. sort of bias even though the industry is quite clearly 50 percent female design and in some countries, more women than men. We know, yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot of women in New York running practices in high positions. In Sweden, when we interviewed uh, designers there, they were struggling to find male designers. So in some countries, the balance is the other way around. But for some reason, historical reason, we're still, all the research we did, and we're going to release our... our um, statistics, Report, yeah, yeah um, shows that without doubt there are less women at all of these uh, situations and events. So part of the initial desire for the project was to find a way to change that. And the easiest way of changing that is by saying, look at all these amazing women. Of course. Yeah. Do you have, maybe it's a stupid question coming from a man, but do you have an idea why this is? Because as it's, I mean, it must be historically uh, like. It's it's not um, a stupid question because it's the one we ask in our interviews as well. <laughs> so, so we have some of an a bit of an idea because other people have sort of. Yeah. There's been a thread or two that have run through when every time we've asked that question. Yeah. There's been a thread that has run through it, and it, it is clear that in certain countries, certain nationalities. Lighting is male-dominated because lots of lighting people came from engineering, which was male-dominated. Right. And if you look at the, the way people come into lighting now, actually through master's courses like, right. like you studied on, you find that actually that is a much more balanced um, balanced sort of student body, etc. So right. there's a much more balanced set of people coming into lighting now than there was all those years ago. From from the point of view of the females we've spoken with, I think there's 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 two things that have cropped up time and time again. And the first one is confidence. And um, a lot of women struggling with being confident about their abilities, their experience, and about being on show in front of their peers. And, you know, being public and uh, even though they all have um, you know have sort of amazing things to talk about to do with light that there is there is there is an issue of not feeling good enough and the second thing which relates to that is a really clear lack of role models so in the past you know when you look at very famous designers there are a, a fewer women than men again america leads the way there's a lot of there were a lot of women leading you know, practices lead, uh, people yeah, that so. were at the beginning of the ild or women in theater um, but in other countries not so the case so if you're a young female de designer and you go to a conference and yeah. you see one woman and 
15 men or whatever right. the, the sort of cycle perpetuates right um, we don't I, f I feel like it will naturally level out because yeah. there are more and more women yeah. but why wait for it to naturally level out why not say hey everyone why haven't you invited more women to of your course. conferences yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's totally fantastic and maybe that's just a feeling and I'm correct me if I'm wrong that I drive sort of the analogy to to architecture where architecture where lighting design can I think still learn a lot from like the professionalism and like how to 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 certify it and to establish it as a true profession whereas architecture then can sort of on the flip side learn probably much more from lighting as it is a more balanced industry because the feeling is or probably also statistics that there are more male Uh, architects in the in the industry than than females. I, th I think there are a lot of female architects, but in the same way, we don't know their names. Yeah. So you say to yeah. someone, name five famous male architects, and it's easy. Right. Name five famous female. I can't do that because I don't think they have anywhere near the profile um, the same way. And I I don't. I don't know why that is. I think it's there are so many cultural and historical factors in, right? Th you know, the battle of the sexes. Um, but I, everybody we've spoken to about their conference event, whatever, has been so far open to yeah, yeah, sure, of course we'll try and Balance. make this fifty-fifty. Yeah. Right. What are we doing? Of course we'll help you. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like like there's. Um, Uh, reticence no, to doing that. I mean, the the, own, the main critique we've had from a few people, uh, who male or male, I would say, has been, "What's the point of your project?" And they Why haven't really, needed? yeah, haven't really understood the necessity of it. Um, but given sort of the statistics, I yeah. think that we, you know, it's very it's easy to argue why it's necessary. And maybe that's maybe because because it, the industry coming from an engineering part is just white male driven. It's a it's a tricky topic, right? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a tricky topic. It, it, it's an emotional but, yeah. loaded. But even even if there's lots of female designers, they still go to meetings with contractors, which are ma yeah. uh, ma male, male uh, yeah. engineers, which. There's a lot of men, you know. So you're still working within an industry and associated industries that are very male-dominated. Yeah. Um, and I think there are so many things that are not geared up for women. Yeah. Like our whole conversation about, um, you know, being able to come and speak at a conference, but you've got children. Yeah. You know, and this goes—it goes for it. Yeah. It goes for men and women, but well, you know. it's also, I think, important to say, as you've said since the start of this project. Lighting design is, is and I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but lighting design is a great place to work as a woman. I'm quoting you here, because obviously I don't know that. But um, lots of the people we've spoke to, none of them are saying that they've had specific problems in lighting because they've been a woman. Right. What they're saying is that it's just like we're saying, it's the profile of women doesn't seem to be as high for some reason. But I, what I was going to sort of say is that I think that the problems of being female are it doesn't matter what what you work as the issues of having children or leaving to become a mother or you know all those kind of factors whatever you do impact yeah. and i think i think in general workplaces uh, conferences or you know sites 
could could improve that. Yeah. Have a female toilet on site on a building site. Right. That's really simple, right. you know. <laughs> and that's that's probably, um, and I don't want to diminish the 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 importance, but probably the crossover moments where the lighting design industry has to communicate with contractors with um, other parties involved is is probably more. Ten, has more tension than maybe within the lighting design community. Yeah. However, have you recognized one thing where females in the lighting design industry thought, okay, this is something where we would like to see improvement, or where we would, where we would, would where we would appreciate help? Um, I think. A few of the things has been the confidence issue uh, about sort of getting experience as a speaker in a kind of safe environment. Yeah. So being able to trial things where you don't feel as much pressure. Yeah. Um, so the ability to be able to do things like that. And then, I mean, very, very simple things like, I don't know, uh, practical changes that you could make in different situations, like having a crash at a conference. And that would work for, should work for both sexes. Yeah. But like, like little things. But in, in general, I mean, it, it, everyone's positive about being a woman in lighting yeah, it's absolutely. not it, I think that they are appreciating being able to tell their story yeah. and um, in, in a safe way because it's just to us yeah. so it's not in front of 300 people at a conference yeah. so I, I don't know I, I've, I think we would like if there are practical things that women feel that we could help make happen, yeah. then that we're happy to, we highlight are happy to yeah. hear yeah. and yeah. highlight them. I mean, for we have ambassadors for the project in 59 countries, right. which is incredible. We Amazing, never yeah. never imagined that, and we never imagined that well, some of the countries... We never imagined the project would be as, as successful as it, is, as, right. as it has been. It's yeah, completely snowballed. But, way bigger than anything. But for some of the countries where lighting is so fledgling and it's a country where it's hard to be female full stop, um, for them, their requirements are, quite simply, inspiration. So we've had a lot of yeah. women that are so happy yeah. that this just exists yeah. because they're getting to hear the stories of other people. And that's a, that's a simple requirement and that's something that we are fulfilling and we can fulfill. Yeah. And that was our aim. And it's so interesting that it can be sort of as simple as just, well, or as complicated to find just a role model where I think about big sports where, I don't know, like uh, sports that are not national sports or like how important was Michael Phelps for swimming in the US, for example, or I don't know, when you have one leading character that inspires young people to sort of follow the lead, it's it's absolutely important. So. Yeah, all all females go go and crush it. Um, I think you mentioned also something. What I came across over in conversations as well is that actually that trust and safety in company cultures is absolutely crucial. Probably regardless of any age or sex. Yes. Yeah. Um, that you can sort of speak up freely. Yeah. And I think that's also a very important part right yeah absolutely yeah. i think one of the other things that that came out of the interviews 
is that um, there is a sort of ego difference, it seems, between male and female designers in that men will be quite happy put them forward selves forwards right. for stuff and they'll do it to, yeah. in the basis like yeah I'm going to stand up and do this because I want people to know how good I am whereas women it seems if you they're not as interested in showing off how how good they are but if you say to them look if you do this it's a, it's supportive for future generations then they're, they're straight up there so it's there is seems to be a difference in that sort of approach yeah there was somebody quoted as um, a TED talk once didn't they they said they watched this TED talk and it was just basically about those sort of differences. And they said, like, if a man sees a job description and there's 10 points on the job description and they can do three, they'll go for it. A woman will want to know that she can do at least eight before, she'd, ten, even, ten. Yeah, before she'd even think of putting herself forward. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things. And that's, like, as you say, the safe work environment, yeah. encouraging people yeah. to put themselves forward for stuff rather than sort of seeing who puts their hands up. Because just because they put their hands up doesn't mean they're necessarily the most qualified or it's it's about encouragement but i think what we've learned what we've learned from this this project is that none of it's universal so every single country it's completely specific the issues or or or, or whatever that they need yeah need to address um are are really culturally specific aren't they so the project is now running two, three months already. Um, what is what is the what is the vision, or where would you like to see or develop it into? Um, <laughs> That's a really good question. It, it, it is a good question because um, I don't think we we imagined it would be so uh, so big. Um, so our aims for it were quite modest. Um, and the fact that it is so big and that there are so many countries involved involves um, means that our future plans for it are probably very different to what they, they were started. initially. Yeah. What we, we are going to do very shortly is open our website for any women in lighting to upload an interview. So that could be text or a video interview. And it means that or we can audio then... Interview. Or audio. Um, we can grow the website um, with all the countries and the women that we can't get to visit because we have limited time and budget to do that. Um, and it means then that we're not uh, excluding any any anyone. Yeah. Um, and that's opening it to women working in lighting research or journalism or manufacturing yeah. or light art, right. not just architectural design. Yeah, we started with architectural lighting designers because they were the women, the female lighting designers that we knew, and so it was easy for us to access them and sort of, of say, course. okay, will yeah. you do this for us? But we never intended it to be specifically limited to designers. It's just literally about everybody who's passionate about light. The, the, lo the long-term aim is that this, this is a growing uh, database of inspiration for anyone that comes across it or is part of it, and that the network that it's facilitated today continues to grow um, it's been really wonderful to see some of the connections made across countries 
when we were at Light Fair three days ago, we happened to have our ambassador to the project, ambassador to the project for the USA, Francesca, with us. We also had the ambassador from, yeah, yeah. for Mexico, Magali Mendez, and we also had the ambassador for um, Kuwait. Kuwait, so yeah. Dalal with us as well. Amazing. So none of them had met each other. So just just out of the blue, we were sitting with yeah. you know that's and we're the UK. It's four group, and that kind of cross um, connection is is super cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, to see that happening and working. It's a little chilly, right? It's uh, <laughs> we we can we can yeah. we we are about to wrap it up, um, and maybe let's uh, potentially talk a little bit about um, wild because there is another sort of initiative yes. that has been happening. Maybe I think one of the things we've discovered in the process is that in terms of this gender discussion, the U.S. is way ahead of, of many other places. It's been on the agenda for a while. And when we first started, we had a telephone conversation with Wild Women in Lighting and Design, which is a U.S. organization that's been around for probably nearly 20 years, did they say? So very well established. Mm -hmm. And some, um, some and also really inspirational, actually, Absolutely. to us, seeing yeah. what they'd achieved. Yeah. And people sort of have asked us, well, what's the difference between your initiative and, and their initiative? Right. What's the, the collaboration? And when we very first spoke to them, we were sort of aware of them because nobody else had done anything like that before. Um, and it, it, to us, we can see that there's a clear difference between us in that they are a professional organization with chapters and members and, and they're hosting meetings, etc. Whereas our aim was to create an inspirational platform, an archive, if you like, of inspirational women in lighting design and redress this sort of issue that we discovered about profile. Um, I mean, there's definite synergies between the two and uh, we are in discussion and hopefully um, there's some lessons and uh, things we can learn from the sort of success that Wild has had over the last 20 years. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find, uh, to find a segue into the end. Um, um, yeah, excellent. <laughs> 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 there is no segue. No, there, there was, was there no segue. No, there was, there was <laughs> there, definitely something. I'm so, um, <laughs> um, anything you want to sort of emphasize that people take away from potentially this conversation, just letting them know the website is very organized, go and check it out, follow uh, Women in Lighting on wherever you can find it. Yeah, uh, definitely that's, I mean, the thing I would say to take away from this is that people should listen to your podcasts. We've been on Spotify, we've listened to lots and you've got a great bunch and it's, it, you're doing a brilliant service. So thank you very much for having of us. Course. Really appreciate can it. I, can I say one last thing? Or are you finishing? You can say the last oh, thing. All right, okay. I was going to say that I think um, that a project like Women in Lighting, which has been done essentially by myself and Martin with the help of Katia in the in, in the UK and the support of former lighting it's there's a we're a tiny tiny little group yeah. of people and yet it's been a possible it's been possible to achieve this incredible outreach all around the world um, we're really successful on social media and get the word out and that makes me feel like kind of anything's possible so if anybody has some sort of initiative or idea or or project that they would like to make happen within the world of lighting the community of lighting yeah. i would say that they need to 
go for it and seize the day because it it, it, it is it's, it is possible to create big things from very small beginnings. Yes. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, for your words, and for meeting here in New York. I yeah, I wish you um, all the best and, and success, and I'm very excited to remain in contact. And I think, um, yeah, women out there, um, you have our support, and please just go out there, do and 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 stand up for yourself because you're amazing. I'm not sure if this was authentic. I hope so. It was. <laughs> okay. It was. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you so much. We speak very soon. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. Dear Lighting Designers, that was the conversation I had with the fantastic Sharon Stammers and Martin Lupton from Light Collective talking about the initiative Women in Lighting. So I could not support this initiative more. Uh, please make sure you check out the website womeninlighting.com and check out their Instagram page Women in Lighting as well. While you're already there, please say hi. I'm excited to hear your story and to share more stories in the next upcoming weeks. So long, stay lit. <laughs>